Welcome to the TAGT Podcast. Come along as we work to connect the GT community and explore new ways to meet the unique needs of gifted individuals. This is the TAGT Podcast. This podcast was recorded at the TAGT Annual Conference, Gift Ed 22. Hello and welcome to the Texas Association for the Gifted and Talented podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fluche. A special thank you to our sponsor, Renzuli Learning. Check them out and get your free trial at RenzuliLearning.com. Today we're chatting with educator Bruce Ellis. His 20 plus years of experience, enthusiasm for educational technology and his hands-on approach to training have helped thousands of educators effectively utilize educational technology and improve student success. And we're so glad to have the great Bruce Ellis here today. Welcome. <laughs> hey, glad to be here. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah. It's a Gift Ed 22 that you're joining us here with. How's your yeah. Gift Ed 22 experience been so far? It's been great. Had it, <clears throat> I've had a chance to sit in several sessions and took some notes and said, ooh, I need to like follow up with that person. I like what they're saying. I, I need to like pick their brain a little bit. So yeah. it's been really good. Been That's, really good. That's great to hear. That's what that, you know, T-H-E-T gift ed experience is all about. So mm-hmm. you're here we're bringing a lot to the table here. I know you're a big figure in TCEA and, uh, and several fans out there, but you're here at the Gifted Conference. I just want to start with that dynamic right there. <laughs> Why is it so important to have the great Bruce Ellis here? Well, I, I think Gifted folks, <clears throat> your organization brings a lot to the table. Hmm. And we just want to uh, say, hey, how can we help support you in what you do? Uh, whether that's bringing apps or technology devices or websites, or it's just thinking offline activities yeah. to prepare students for when they go to the next step or the next classroom, or just in your, you know, gifted course that you that you do after school or pull out program, whatever that looks like. How can we support you and make that even better? Yeah, um, and I think there's there's a lot of room there for connection and collaboration. Maybe oh, yeah. maybe I'm going to start with something a little too basic, okay. but. Just let, let me just define some terms here of educational technology. Sure. Let's say you're a new teacher listening to this, and you're like, okay, what 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 is the role of educational technology? What's kind of the mission there that we can all kind of understand this realm a little bit better? Sure. So we would define educational technology as any tech, uh, technology, device, whatever it happens to be, that supports the goals of the classroom teacher. Uh, what some in our on our side of the fence might do is say you've got to do tech every day you've always got to provide it there and we hold a little bit different stance that hey there's a time for using technology but there's you know when tech gets in the way of the standards or tech gets in the way of maybe the time constraints or whatever it happens to be maybe that's not the best lesson to use technology Hmm. and so our goal is that pedagogy is always first and foremost and when it's appropriate when it's um needed when it supports students or challenges students, then take and take a look and see what technology can use to enhance that lesson or activity. So we're not trying to force it. We're not trying to overdo Correct. it. We're not trying to move away from the objective of the lesson here. Correct. But is there a tool, an app, something that helps illustrate how students can gain understanding? Yeah. And I think we've all either have been there or have uh, experienced personally where it's been death by PowerPoint. And, uh, <laughs> Some some people, uh, you you learn something, and all of a sudden, you know, if you're a, you get a new hammer, everything is a nail. Mm. And uh, what we want to do is is have people critically take a look and say, okay, what's best for the student? What's best for the lesson? And um, 
when that's technology. Hey, you mm-hmm. know, we're, we're glad to help you and support you. And sometimes we have to tap people on the shoulder and say, you know, that would have been better without technology. Uh, <laughs> ironically enough, but once you get them those basic skills or, or whatever's needed, then, hey, here's a good tool that you could introduce that would take it even further and go mm. better with that. So. so you're saying I should stop using clip art? <laughs> Is that uh, Comic Sans? I'm trying to think of the general. Hey, in it, you know, uh, it's just, it depends on your audience, the there expectations, and uh, what you're going for, so. Yeah. You know, that is one dynamic I'm super interested in, though. You know, we, we live, we work in a field with a wide range of ages and abilities and educational technology, I feel like, for some, is exciting mm-hmm. and, and natural, whereas others, they might feel that there's kids who outpace their own ability to keep up with some of the technology. Does that impact how teachers even begin trying to use educational technology? Yeah, sometimes when I'm doing training, uh, I'll have teachers that come and, and they make themselves known at the beginning. You know, I've been asked by a district to come out and provide staff development, and the teacher kind of pulls me aside and says, I don't want to be here. Oh, my goodness. I, I don't teach computers. And uh, so at least they give me a heads up, you know. Okay, um, yeah. So what I do is, for those teachers, how do I make inroads so they understand technology is valuable hmm. and uh, how can it be used for you how could you use it with your students to support your content it may be different than your peer next door or across the hall uh, and just because somebody is using Kahoot doesn't mean it's going to be the perfect tool for you mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time if somebody's using a tool investigate and say hey what does this offer for me would it would it enhance what I'm already doing what's the learning curve um, how can I use it to take my students to the next level? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you you don't have to spell CPU to to be able to <laughs> to use computers effectively. Yeah. Oh man, so. that's good. I don't know if I could have done that. That's great. <laughs> um, okay. So I don't want to make it just about this because that's my temptation is just to ask you give me all the great apps and tools out there, right? But you know you're here presenting on a few of those things. We're talking mm-hmm. about coding and. I, Yep. And again, I, I would love for teachers to walk away with, oh, there's some good ideas there. But we can start with coding. Sure. Why is coding such a great fit for uh, gifted populations? So one of the nice things about coding is that it really falls into the category of computational thinking. And for the last couple of years, that's really kind of taking a forefront. Uh, back in the day, computer science was relegated to high school students who uh, maybe you were at a large school and they could afford a computer science teacher. So there was a track for students who were, who thought like that. They, they were programmer-minded, uh, but not everybody was afforded that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, as times have progressed in the last several years, uh, computational thinking has come to the forefront and people are realizing, well, that goes down to elementary, you know, uh, early elementary, uh, kindergarten, pre-K. Uh, it's not just for AP students or not just for, you have to wait till ninth grade. Right. And then, then if you have a teacher that, that teaches that. Uh, but it's really just taking a look and saying, okay, what what is involved in coding? What are the thinking processes? How could that be used by an ELA teacher, social studies teacher, art teacher? And a lot of those standards, a lot of those expectations in uh, computational thinking really are so broad they fit. They're a great overlay for all types of content mm-hmm. areas. So. so, you know, if our charge, is, you know, by TEA in, in the gifted world here in the state of Texas is to create these problem solvers, to create these mm-hmm. critical thinkers through gifted programming, gifted services. 
coding may not be in and of itself like, hey, you got to do coding, but the journey of, of learning coding and going along that, you're teaching a style of thinking yeah. that really kind of can spread. Yeah, and if you get groups of students, uh, gifted students together, there may be one that they are the coder. Uh-huh. But you may have another one that's gifted with artistic abilities. Coders need those folks. They need graphic designers. Mm-hmm. They need artists to come along inside, come alongside them and say, you know, here, here's some artwork that will help communicate what the narrator or what the writer is putting together. And the coder is kind of like the, the engineer or the person driving the bus, but he knows who needs to get on and, and where they need to sit so that everything is taken care of. And right. So uh, gifted students definitely... They like to push the buttons. They like to sometimes push the envelope. Uh, and so you give them a little bit of uh, leeway, let them run with it, and you'd be amazed at what they come up with. Yeah. Okay, so when it comes to coding, you know, are there some, you know, if a teacher's saying, okay, coding, I'm going to do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move into that space. Yeah. How do you get started? Are there some pitfalls you want to avoid? <laughs> uh, what advice would you give? So uh, I would start with, your comfort level as a teacher. Uh, If you're K2, then I would say start with Scratch Junior. It's put together uh, with MIT students, so they're already gifted and talented people thinking behind the scenes, making it very user-friendly, lots of resources. Third grade and up, third grade to sixth grade, uh, Scratch. Uh, It's all based in JavaScript. So as students are learning how to do this block-based programming, they're really learning the thinking process behind coding or programming. Mm-hmm. And then as they get older, they start saying, oh, you know what, when I use this block, it's the same way as if I was saying this in JavaScript. And mm-hmm. so once those students start those processes, like, oh, this makes sense, then they can start grasping on to the words of, okay, how would I say this in JavaScript or Python or whatever the language happens to be. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So those are some practical, we can get started with those. And are are you seeing that people are infusing this within their contents? Are you seeing that it's, it's an extra maybe advisory time or, or enrichment club? How are you seeing some of this manifest through Uh, coding specifically? Sometimes it's an after school club. Uh, That's an easy way to get it introduced to a campus, uh, very low key kind of grassroots effort. Uh, sometimes it's through specials such as a STEM class or mm-hmm. through Talent and Gift, maybe a pull-up program uh, that, that a teacher is doing. Uh, a lot of times it may be just the teacher themselves. They they may not be a gamer per se, but mm-hmm. they they want something that they can give their students that's going to enhance what they're already doing. Mm-hmm. You know, the teacher knows the standards. They they got social studies down. This is going to be an exciting year for social studies. I'm a, all my kids are going to be historians by the time I'm finished with them. Uh, and by figuring out, okay, how can I use coding to support my content, then you're reaching those students who, when they come to your class, they're like, eh, I really don't care to be a historian. Right. So you're really presenting it in such a way that history, uh, they're getting the history as a byproduct. They're learning the coding because they're excited about it, but in the process, they're they're gaining a lot of content skills that, that you want them to learn anyway, and you're just packaging it differently right yeah now i'm excited to know what a coding social studies project would be it could be tons of ways it could be creating a a, like in scratch it could be that you're showing the migration or movement of a population oh Uh, it could be that you're talking about uh, change of uh, earth forms 
And so you're showing how things change over time, whether that's by erosion or other processes. It could just be uh, a difference of, of how people do things differently over time and as technology improves, how we do things differently to still achieve those same outcomes. So tons of ways that we can use it as a social studies teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, we just have to kind of think of, okay, how do I tell a story as a social studies teacher? What are those stories? How can this help me? Mm -hmm. And it, even with mathematics, okay, mathematics has tons of stories you know, yeah. that we're trying to solve. How can I get coding to help me? Or what are some problems that I can have my students sit down and say, okay, we're going to help people understand this process. And in the, and in the process, they're going to become experts at solving problems. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's algebraic problems or multiplication problems, whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. I, and I love that idea because, you know, obviously interdisciplinary, you're moving towards a little bit more authentic problems than maybe turning the page in the textbook to the next <laughs> lesson or whatever. So that's, that's it's right. exciting to think you could combine these things and maybe make it a, a uh, an element to your class that's consistent, an option with projects or whatever that the kids are used to over time maybe. Yeah, and you know, even if the teacher says, I'm not ready for coding yet, uh -huh. maybe the teacher can kind of think, okay, what would, if I didn't do coding, what could I do to set up my class for more engagement? And it may be gamified gamification. That uh -huh. they're taking those elements in video games and not necessarily saying, I'm going to have my students create programs or, or programming. But I'm going to have my students engage with the content using those design elements that research base has already proven. It pulls us in. It keeps us in the story. Mm -hmm. When we hit those roadblocks, it gives us the determination to figure out, okay, how, how can I get around this to keep moving forward? Or what do I need to go and pick up on the side to help me accomplish this mission? Mm -hmm. So even if it's not coding per se, there's some kind of rudimentary ideas that we can still use. Yeah. So that, you know, when the teacher is ready to say, okay, I think I'm ready to do some, some basic stuff, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they have the confidence to say, okay. And, and hopefully teachers like all of us uh, have the idea that I don't have to know everything. I can introduce some things and let the kids run with it. And like I did when I was in the classroom, if somebody figures out something before I did, the rule was you write it down or you don't get credit, you know, for uh -huh. being the first to come up, you know, you know, to understand that or to, to figure that out for the teacher. So really just having the students become the experts and mm -hmm. you just, when somebody says, you know, how do I do this if loop? You go like, wow, how do you, who's already done an if loop? You know, what yeah. was, how did you do that? What, what, what did you do to make that work well? And then you start pointing them to each other because ideally you want them to collaborate. And sometimes yeah. gifted students they would rather be independent, and uh, I know what I do. I do it well. Don't don't mess with me. Mm -hmm. You know, and and in the real world, sometimes the boss comes to you and says, "Hey, I've got a problem. Lucky you. You are the one that gets to solve it. Here, mm -hmm. Here's the two sentence information. Go figure it out." Mm -hmm. And uh, so we have to do the same thing that we're asking our kids to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and. I get really convicted in the midst of that situation you were just talking about of equipping, especially our kids who are identified as gifted or, or in this realm of, you know, equipping them to be in scenarios that let's say you are extremely advanced in your ability in one regard, but you can't work with people. 
you know, gifted services should move into that gap to say, hey, let's equip you to be able to do that. So I definitely identify with what you're talking about there. Um, but you're not just here talking about coding. You're also talking about, I believe, augmented reality. Yep. Okay, tell me more about that. Sure. So augmented and virtual reality we did this morning and uh, well-received. Teachers were excited. Uh, we were showing some on-ramps for teachers. Uh, okay. That, hey, you don't have to be... Um, have an MIT degree mm -hmm. to do this with your class. You, you don't have to uh, take a course to do this. You know, let's just talk about some easy on-ramp way. So if you just go to Google and search Giant Panda, scroll down a little bit, and you will see that there's a little button that says uh, View in 3D, and you scan your phone around the room, and it will uh, generate a virtual panda that happens to be sitting there eating some bamboo. And then Really? If you don't want the bamboo, you... Bam, uh, the panda, then you can choose a wide variety of other animals that they have. And okay, wow. Shark, raccoon, and so you can make it as big as you want, but it looks like that animal is sitting there in your class or by your chair. So then you can, uh, with your phone, you can walk around it, you can take a look at it, you can take a picture of it, take a selfie with it, you know, or you can have somebody, you can talk to the animal and as you're doing a recording saying, you know, this is the panda and let me tell you about the biome and where they grow up and let me tell you about its eating habits and this is how it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, defends itself or, or whatever it is that you're talking about. So, so even though it's a simple on-ramp, it gives teachers a ton of flexibility to pull it into their content area. Even if it's not science-based, uh, it could be just, hey, we're going to get you to tell a story, beginning, middle, and end. Mm -hmm. Or we're going to get you to pull a character out uh, and use one of these animals that was a character in our book, and you're going to have that character. You're going to be the voice for that character that's telling us what happened or their mm -hmm. perspective of what happened. So Yeah, I'm just trying so. to... You got me thinking about all sorts of ways you could incorporate that and create yeah, create writing pieces off of that. It doesn't have yeah. to be science. Uh, have some fun with it, maybe even mathematical in terms of if they're, you know, placing them in a certain, I don't know. You got, oh. me, got me thinking here. <laughs> I'm too distracted. Um, the only virtual reality I've done is Pokemon Go, which tells you that hey. I'm a child of a man. But uh, <laughs> uh, that's really cool. And I, and I bet, too, kids really gravitate towards that. That's got to be that awe moment of, like, I can't believe we're seeing that in our classroom right now. Yeah, it, and fortunately, uh, kids, we haven't beat it out of them early enough and so they go like well you did I did this and this I now want to do this and it's like well the app doesn't do that I'm sorry and, and hopefully we're the teacher that says well yeah this app doesn't do it but right maybe you can figure that out and mm. you can create an app or you can find an app that does what you're wanting or we can connect you with a professor or college students who do that kind of programming already maybe high school students and uh, get a collaboration going and, and you can share your ideas and they can kind of collaborate with you to develop a solution mm -hmm. uh, that you may not have the technical skills for, but, but you got the idea. And sometimes that's the moneymaker right there. Right. I mean, that's what our world is all about is, and I can't tell, tell you how many people who have sat in that chair today and talked about interest-driven work for students to do and invest in and, and giving them pathways to do that. And if you can pique their interest, yeah. who knows where they can go with that. Yeah, it, it really does go back to, even though we're talking about programming and coding or virtual reality, it really does go back to voice and choice and saying, mm -hmm. you know, this is what I had planned and this is, this is how I'm going to introduce it to you. 
but I don't want you to be limited by my experiences or by my knowledge of this. So as I'm showing you this, be thinking, how else could this be used? How else could you, where could you take this mm-hmm. that maybe I haven't thought about? And, and really kind of giving the students that charge to, you know, you, you're expected to take this to a level or area that interests you, maybe not your neighbor, but hey, you right. know, you're interested in FIFA and who's going to win the next cup. You yeah. Know, yeah. All right. How do we do something with soccer? You know, and mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I mean, I've got a lot of, I got a lot more ed tech questions for you, but I'll take a half step back <laughs> okay. here. How did you get into this world? What, what's your background and what led you to be the Bruce Ellis we know today? <laughs> okay. Uh, so I started teaching as third grade teacher. Okay. Loved it. Uh, and this is back in the 90s. Uh, district came and said, we're going to put, we're going to identify one person on each campus campus to do basic troubleshooting and to train teachers. And I, I liked doing that when my, my wife and I had an agreement when our first child was born that I could play on my Apple IIc only when Joshua took a nap. <laughs> so... I was pushing naps during the summer. You know. Yeah, don't you want to take a nap again? Yeah, yeah. Josh, you look tired. Yeah. You know? um, so while he was taking a nap, I could learn programming on my Apple IIc. And um, so then once this started, once I started teaching, then it's like, oh, I'll do that. I, I didn't realize what they meant was it's a second job. We're not paying you for it, though. Oh, you know, man. You get the, yeah. so, like, like many things that, that we're, we ask teachers to do. Um, I think there's several teachers listening to this who are, oh, yeah, I've yeah. been in that moment before, or I'm in it right now. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And so uh, I, I learned how to connect with teachers and say, okay, what what do you love? How can I use that as an inroad? I was next door to a second grade teacher named Pat. She, she was like, look, Bruce, I don't even want to spell CPU. I'm waiting for this internet thing to blow over. I think I'll be good. Mm. When, you know, once this computer stuff, people realize it's not here to stay. <laughs> and it's like, well, Pat. In the meantime, the district is buying computers to use in the classrooms. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want you to get in trouble. So, how about we do this? I know you like Elvis Presley, and I can hear him playing in the through the wall next door. So I know at certain time of day you play Elvis. How about I show you how to put that? instead of in your stereo in your computer to play Mm, yeah and she was like i can use it as a computer you know as a cd player and it's like it's an expensive cd player but okay and uh, so then after about a month or so i said hey pat why don't we instead of that elvis cd why don't we drop in sammy's science house you know use it as a center and don't worry i've already figured out and have the computers brought to your room that are designed not to blow up. They're not going to crash. <laughs> I've already, you know, done that for you, so you don't have to worry about that. And and if there's a problem, you just bang on the wall, and I'll come around and say, hey, what's wrong? And mm-hmm. so for her, it was really just um, what's, the, what's the simplest way to introduce it where mm-hmm. there is no learning curve. It's already using doing something she's already doing, and it's just now doing it on the computer. And then slowly we built up some skills. And before I knew it, she was like, I need another center idea. And it's like, Pat, I think you're going for my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she got she got smitten by it. Yeah. That's right. That's you right. just uh, were she, nothing but a hound dog and she got super <laughs> <laughs> with my blue suede shoes. That's right. That's, that's right. right. That's right. Now you might have to change it to a, a Taylor Swift download, oh, but yeah. yeah, you could still probably pull that off today. I say, Pat, I, I've got a, a 
piece of paper and it's got your name on it or, or however you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let me write your name down. I messed that up. But anyway. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's awesome. So you had that experience where you were teaching. Uh, again, I feel like many teachers can relate to this. You were teaching. You yeah. were asked to be a part of this technology rollout. You got way more responsibilities than maybe you were planning to get. Where, sure. did, where did you go from there? So then I had a chance to move to middle school and teach desktop publishing and web authoring which at the time were high school course uh, credits, but we got an innovative uh, permission from the state to teach it at the junior high level. So I would go home and I'm going like, I'm trying to learn Photoshop and Illustrator, and my kids are like eating everything up faster than I can give it. So, you know, it's like, I'm going home in the evening and trying to figure out, okay, how do we do a flame effect? And one of my kids said, I want to do this, and it's like, Okay, how do we do that? And then, so it took me about a month before I realized I had to say, I have no idea. Right. All right, you know, if you finish your assignment early, then I want you to explore and play with the tools. Just write down the steps of how you created a particular effect, and uh, they were amazing. Yeah. They were amazing. And so from there, I I became an instructional specialist and had a chance to visit many teachers uh, in, in several different campuses and saw a wide variety of teaching and wow, I didn't think about teaching it like that. And then I became director of technology, uh, instructional technology, and then had a chance to come to TCEA. That's amazing. So. Yeah. So so give us some perspective. What's what's happening in the educational technology world? Is it is it moving quickly? Is it feeling like, hey, the culture seems to really be supporting the inclusion of ed- educational technology, or, or is it still a struggle? Is there, Are there barriers along the way? of getting more teachers to use these things, again, to pique students' interest, to equip kids. Like with anything, we got the early adopters. We got those that need a little convincing, and they jump on board, and they see the relevance. And then we got other people that are digging their feet in and saying, you know what? Mm -hmm. My grandparents didn't have this, and they did okay, (laughs) you know, or or whatever it happens to be. So just like with anything, it's really trying to present it in a palatable way that where the teacher says, if we come across and say, oh, you need to teach something additional, typically as teachers, with, I ain't got time for that. You know? <laughs> uh, and so really what we try to do is help teachers understand, hey, what are you currently doing? How can we use technology not to replace that necessarily, but to enhance that? Right. Hopefully there's not a big learning curve with that. And then once they see the benefit of that, whether that's another teacher doing it or whether it's coming in and doing a model lesson with them or saying, okay, what do you want to teach? Let me teach it the first time and then we'll co-teach it the next time and mm-hmm. then you try it. Um, once teachers get the idea that, all right, I, I think I can try this, um, you know, it's, it's just like they make choices every day. Uh, am I going to use, you know, colored pencils or am I going to do uh, something on the whiteboard or, you know, one minute? It's just another tool. Mm-hmm. The tools are going to change, and so we try to make sure that teachers understand it's, it's really your thinking that's going to be critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, today it may be iPads or Chromebooks. Tomorrow it's going to be a holodeck. Who knows? Right. You know, but if, if you have the thinking and you have good pedagogy, our kids are going to do well in your class. You know, you're going to get them where they need to be before you pass them on to the next person. Yeah. Yeah. So. Holodeck as in Star Trek? As in Star Trek, yeah. I appreciate that reference as well. <laughs> Um, that, okay, so that's amazing. Tell us a little bit about your role within TCEA and, 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 and how you go out there to help uh, campuses and districts. Sure. So a lot of times we'll get somebody that they've 
maybe taken a course or they've been to our convention or something and, and they call us and say, hey Bruce, we're rolling out iPads or we're rolling out Chromebooks to our middle school science teachers. Can you help them? Hmm. And it's like, oh, we would love to help them. So uh, I'm very familiar K-12 standards uh, just over the years becoming familiar with uh, what's the gist of them or what are the main ones. And so then I'll go out and <clears throat> as I talk with the science teachers, I've, I try not to come across as an expert because that's not, I, I'm not a, a science teacher by trade, uh, though I am a teacher by trade, mm -hmm. know, first through eighth grade. Um, so I, I give them a little intro, hands-on, let's get, let's get going, and then I ask them to bring the content to me and say, okay, now, how would you do, what's, what's a, a main lesson you would teach in the next six weeks? Mm -hmm. I want you to focus on that. So, so it's, it's really just when people tap us on the shoulder or we see opportunities to go out and tap them on the shoulder, it's really about what, what are you deploying, what do you want to deploy, how can we help you do that successfully? Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes the teachers, uh, they say, well, you know, they provided us with the Chromebooks or the iPads or the interactive whiteboards, but there's nobody to do training. Mm -hmm. Or the person they came and did a 30-minute sales speech, right. that was the training, but I don't understand how to use it with my kids. And if, if it's going to make class discipline worse, I ain't got time for it. <laughs> you know? uh, that's the theme. you know. Right. So, uh, so we try to help them understand, okay, it's just... Just like with any tool, uh, your kids are going to poke people with pencils. You can't just say, okay, no pencils for anybody. Right. You, you've got to learn how to manage your classroom. Mm -hmm. Once you get that understanding, then they say, okay, so we don't have to use a pencil all the time. We, don't, we can use pens or crayons or whatever it is. Sometimes it's, we use no writing utensils. Right. So we just help them understand, okay, this is when you would use technology. This is how you might use technology let's go back and make sure it's based on the standards and that uh, it's either uh, a beginning part of where you're communicating the content to the student or maybe where the students are creating a product, giving it back to you. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, and, and one of the points you made uh, earlier too is, is, um, is you know, working with someone to start using something and it made me think of the sustainability and the long-term, I'm not just incorporating an iPad. I'm not doing it every day, but I'm having yeah. the confidence and the willingness to embed it consistently. And I think that resonates for me in terms of different strategies you'll hear at this conference in general to reach gifted students to differentiate. Sure. You know, is that part of the conversation, not just embedding it, but but empowering people to feel confident, I guess, to continue to use it? Yeah. Definitely, because <clears throat> like with any skill, you only get better when you practice it and when you practice it well. And uh, so as our teachers learn to incorporate technology and they, they start seeing opportunities of, well, I could do that here, and then that lesson goes well, or they learn from that lesson and they try it again and it goes better, then all of a sudden they start saying, okay, I can, I can make better use of this, mm -hmm. I can use it more often. And then they become a mouth mouthpiece to other teachers to say, hey, you know what? Um, this could really help your students. I see you have right. some students that they're bored with the traditional lessons. They need mm -hmm. something to, that would allow them to go beyond what you're typically doing in the class. Have you ever thought about using such and such? Mm -hmm. and, and so it really can be a, an avenue uh, for those gifted kids to show their expertise in a way that it just doesn't, it goes beyond what the product, the product that's being asked of them by the regular classroom teacher. 
So great technology is like gossip. It's just got to spread. You know it's, what I mean? People got to yeah. talk about it. That's I right. can't believe that. Yeah, very it, good. It's, it's like uh, good gossip in the fact yeah. that you want to tell others. You want to share it with people. You want to share it. Yeah, it's a and good you thing. Want, and you want to be like, hey, this is a juicy tip. Let me share it with you. <laughs> and you're going to want to share it also. So that's All right. when it's done well. It's that's like that. <laughs> Okay. Well, let's go down that road. I would love to get some juicy tips in terms of sure. what's happening out there. What are some um, ed tech, whether it's apps or devices or whatever, that are really hot right now that you're like, man, you should really consider taking a look at these. I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here. You are. You are. Well, my focus right now is uh, artificial intelligence, taking okay. a look at it. And uh, so that's kind of where my focus has been. So there's a lot that I'm not looking at. Oh, sure. Uh, that, that's great. Uh, but uh, artificial intelligence is, is really becoming uh, closer to the mainstream. Uh, we see it a lot in our, uh, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or whatever it happens to be, very entertainment oriented, very entertainment mm -hmm. based, where we can, we can enhance an experience for a person uh, and engage them in storytelling by adding a filter. Well, that filter really is artificial intelligence. And, yeah. and uh, as we, as educators, as we say, okay, what, which of those things are safe for students to use, uh, whether it's putting it directly in their hands or it's in my hand, but you're using it with under guidance, uh, how can we use that? Uh, back in the day, it used to be that we had to worry about kids cheating, you know, by writing on the back in my day it was writing on your hand and then as kids got older they would take wrappers off water bottles and write on mm -hmm. the inside and so it, the answers were right there and i don't know what you're talking about i've never know, heard of any of this can't prove that uh but now we have uh you know students who they know how to find things very easily and uh they can they can get things off the web so we really need our teachers to enhance or maybe take their if, if they're not already teaching in a way that the answer can't be Googled, mm. how do they do that? Because artificial intelligence is making it so that students can find those answers even more easily. So we need to make the learning not complicated, but complex, or at least recognize that it already is complex. Am I, am I carrying the students along in a way that they're not learning uh, answers A, A, B, C? Right. You know? But the answer is really struggling with content and, and figuring that out. Um, That's great. I mean, if so. we're, if, especially in our field, the focus is in on things like depth and complexity and going up beyond the standards. If yeah. we are doing work that's Googleable, yeah. we're probably not equipping and challenging our kids well. We're definitely not building job security for ourselves <laughs> or for our kids. Right. For our kids. And, right. and even going back to programming now, there's AI tools that are out there that you put in what you want, and it writes the code for you. We still need coders, though, people who understand coding, because those tools are only as good as the, the people who fed them code. Right. Uh, so there's, they're not perfect, but you need somebody to take a look at it and say, okay, is that efficient code? Could it be said, could it be written in a better way? Um, you know, or that was good a year ago, but now we've got some new language. Some of that's deprecated. We've got some new language. Uh, how do we enhance that? So um, even as we talk about getting our kids to code, as tools come along to take some of that responsibility off them, they still need those skills. They would just use it in different ways. So instead of being the, the guy in a dark room that's coding at night, you know, drinking coffee, mm -hmm. 
they're letting the computer handle the brunt of that, and they're kind of looking over the computer's shoulder saying, okay, well, let me tweak this and train you up. This is better code and, and you know, get things done a little bit more efficiently and a little bit better. So AI, which I mean, I feel I, I even want to be careful with using that phrase because I feel like you're, you're speaking it to it in a very, I mean, it's the same idea, but a very specific, yeah. right? Because that, that could be a daunting. It, it can be. And artificial intelligence is, uh, depending on which side of the fence you look at, and both sides are valid, it can be really scary mm-hmm. uh, or it can be real exciting, kind of like the atomic bomb, you know. Man, great, uh, great things can be done if we can harness that power. Mm. Great damage can be done if it's used incorrectly or, or wrong. And, and so, same thing, same thing with a cell phone in the classroom. You know, the, the teacher, yeah. as the gatekeeper, uh, wields a lot of power on um, how are things used and how does it propel the student to move forward in their learning, or how does it stagnate that learning? And the, and the kid, mm-hmm. yeah, they may, they may have figured out how to do those standards for that class, but it didn't uh, enhance or excite them in those mm-hmm. skills of, of the gifted side of themselves. And I wonder too, if these tools will be available out of the classroom for these kids, if not now, eventually to a degree. Yeah. If we don't spend the time with them in the classroom, maybe doing the, the other parts around that, teaching them how to do it, how to do it well, how to do it for meaningful causes. Yeah. Again, we may be, uh, yeah having adverse effects on accident by that, so. Well, and it really goes back to what we're saying is, <clears throat> regardless of the tool, it's the thinking process. Mm-hmm. If you're not think, if your thinking isn't really good, it, it doesn't matter what tool you have. Uh, it's gonna be flawed or less than stellar. But if we get the thinking process down, of course that's difficult, but right. if we can get the thinking process down, uh, then our kids can do much better regardless what comes their way, what they encounter. Yeah. Okay, so. this is great. Okay, so the big the big uh, juicy idea out there is making yeah. sure you're plugging into AI and see what it can, can do to help others. And uh, any other, you know, especially when we, get, we have teachers, we have parents, we have coordinators, directors listening to this podcast. Yep. Anything else in terms of ed tech that you feel like, man, uh, those in this field really need to be attentive to moving forward? Well, like this morning, we talked about virtual reality, augmented reality. Those are those are big things. It used to be where you had to have Google Expedition, and you know, pay big bucks, or you had to have a, a super expensive computer or projector or, or whatever it happens to be. And now, a lot of that is coming online with the phone, with apps that are free. Uh, really, it goes that part goes kind of goes back to the teachers understanding uh, student safety and security. Right. And then working with their district to say, hey, what apps are available that the district can approve, that that we can push out to my students so that I can have them do some things in more 21st century stuff, 21st century ways as opposed to 18th century ways. (laughs) Right, right. We're going to take a break, but stick around to hear what our speaker has to say next. Are you ready to celebrate our GT community during GT Awareness Week, April 3rd through 7th, 2023? GT Awareness Week was created to increase awareness and encourage support of gifted education in Texas. Want to celebrate but not quite sure how? Visit txgifted.org slash gtawarenessweek to download the TAGT celebration guides made specifically for you to help you celebrate. 
Through online community discussions and social media posts, parents, educators, and advocates come together to celebrate giftedness. Make sure to tag and follow us at TX Gifted on Twitter and Instagram and Texas Gifted on Facebook to show how you're celebrating your GT community April 3rd through 7th. See you there. As we start to uh, uh, close out the podcast a little <laughs> bit here, I want people to sure. get to know you even more. Sure. I've got my fast five questions. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. okay. Uh, they're not meant to go on forever. Just little quick hits to find out a little bit more about the great Bruce Ellis here. Bruce, question one. You've got a Saturday to do anything. Mm-hmm. What do you do and why? Man, <clears throat> I'm probably going to be quilting. Uh, I, okay. I'm at a quilting uh, guild, and I work with a nonprofit that makes quilts for kids in crisis. Uh, but I'm, I like technology, so I'd rather use a laser cutter to cut out some designs uh, that normally we would just say, oh, that's going to take too long to cut out. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to like, why am I going to cut it out? I'm going to let my laser cutter do that and my laser printer take care of that, laser cutter do that. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I'm going to be doing that or I'm going to be doing some woodwork, um, you know, uh, wanting to like my goal between now and Christmas is to make my dining room table. I've got the plans. The only toy that I don't have that I would like to have is a CNC router. Santa's not going to bring me one this year. No, not this year. No, he doesn't have the budget for it. But <laughs> uh, you know, if I had a CNC router, which is just uh, a really nice woodworking tool, yeah, you, you just you drop in the design and it's going to route it on the table for you. I can think of so many things I could do with that, that uh, whether it's for gifts or family or for me at the house or whatever it happens to be, but so. You're blowing my mind right now. You got (laughs) got the router, you got the laser cutter, and oh, by the way, just a side side of quilting as well. This is multi-potentiality right here, big time. Yeah. I love it. Okay, question two. If you had to describe yourself as a cartoon character or TV show character, who would it be and why? Hmm. This is gonna age me, but the That's one okay. that com- the one that comes to mind is Felix the cat. Felix the cat, yes. You know he's he's got the bag, and uh, <laughs> no matter what comes along, he's gonna. It's his responsibility to pull the trick out of the bag and mm-hmm. fix the problem. If I have that correctly, hopefully I haven't. It's it's been many years since I've seen <laughs> Felix the cat, but I think that's right. He, he always pulls something out of his bag of tricks. You know, there you go. To, to fix the problem. It's a classic. All right. Okay. Question three. If you could tell an earlier version of yourself one thing about how you learn, sure. what would you tell them? Don't be afraid to fail. Hmm. Yeah, it seems particularly meaningful in the ed tech world of trying yeah. stuff out. Yeah, we, we like to do things where <clears throat> I know it's expected, I know how to do this, and I'm going to be good at it. And sometimes it's, life isn't that easy. Mm-hmm. It, you know. And so just giving myself permission ahead of time would be... That would be something good if I could go back and tell myself. Yeah. Question four. Who has been an inspiration in your educational career? Several people. Well, two people. Um, I had a math teacher in college, Miss Poole. It didn't matter what we were doing. Uh, she could make it exciting. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> she's, seeing her made me say, I want to be a teacher. Uh, and then I had a... Uh, my 
main professor for my master's and doctorate was Dr. Espinoza. And <clears throat> I didn't know it at the time, but uh, I didn't recognize it. But she would pull me aside and she'd say, Bruce, you're doing really well with that. Have you thought about doing this? Mm. Which is her way of saying, I want you to do this. Right. But <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't catch that. So I'd go off and do these explorations and come up with ideas and things. And she'd say, that's great. Why don't we present that at a conference? You know, and then after a while, I realized, wait a minute. Uh-huh. I'm doing more work than my peers. <laughs> but that was because she took an interest in me. And, you know, in, in the same way that we should take an interest in our kids to say, hey, I recognize this in you. Hmm. How can I push you in that area? And then you over here, I recognize this in you. How can I push you in this area? So you really, you really take on those passions and uh, interests that really excite you to, to push through that, the times where it's not easy. Mm-hmm. So, All right, question five. If you had to tell teachers to do one thing to develop student potential, what would it be? I would say teachers need to hug mm. their kids. We've got so many kids. We've got so many teachers that are struggling. Mm. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> they need somebody to come alongside them to say, you know what? You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. And whether that's a, a hug, I don't care for fish, fist bumps, but in COVID, yeah. Sure. Whether it's a hug, a fist bump, pat on the shoulder, sometimes a kick in the rear, you know, to say, hey, I'm, I'm here with you. I'm, if, if I'm not there with you, I'm here for you. What can I do? powerful stuff and I appreciate you being so vulnerable here that is amazing um, where could uh, those who uh, are fans of yours find out more information about you and, and are you on social media websites um, I am but then I lose interest and I move on to other things That's... and so I've said I'm not gonna renew a domain name again <laughs> uh, at least not now so best place would be find me on Twitter at dr. Bruce Ellis or uh, TCEA TCEA.org uh, we do a lot of uh, blogs and posts there as well as other other ways of communicating with folks. So those will be the two, two best places. We'll get plugged in to Bruce Ellis that way. And thanks again so much to our guest today. We're so glad you could join us. If you're interested in learning more about today's guest and their work, check out the links included with this podcast post. And if you're not yet a member of the Texas Association for the Gifted and Talented, we hope you'll join our community by visiting txgifted.org and clicking on the Join tab. Ranzuli Learning is proud to support the Texas Association for the Gifted, their podcast and gifted education nationwide. Be sure to visit our website at ranzulilearning.com and sign up for your free trial to experience firsthand how we deliver a rigorous, personalized learning environment for all students pre-K through 12, and how we align our resources to the TEKS and provide student-driven project-based learning that unpacks the natural passions and abilities in all children.